The following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. The sun descends towards the horizon of the Valley of the Setting Sun. Welcome to our game of Scion 2nd Edition, set in the city of Phoenix, Arizona. We will be going over the rules for bringing an Origins level character up to Hero and acting out each character's visitation where the Divine Parent imparts gifts and uplifts their child into the world of the mythical. The characters for the session will be Gary, played by Mitch, Jesse, played by Slavic, and Nick, played by Craig. If you want to reach out to us, you can do so on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore btm, and on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night, and on Discord at Twin Cities by Night. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the final character creation thus far for the upcoming Scion game, which I still have yet to name. This time around, we're going to be talking about Craig's character, Nick. Hello, everyone. All right. So, Nick is the son of who? Again? Um, so, uh, of course, when we started doing this, uh, there's all these cool gods in the book to pick out, but I had to do something silly and make a pick not a god. So, uh, Nick is son of uh, Nimue, one of the ladies of the lake from Arthurian lore. And while we, we brought this up a few times in talking, that well, they're not classically considered gods. They have basically the same function because the Arthurian text is basically Christian text. So there's only the one god in those. So, you know, a group of uh, medieval sorceress witches. Yeah, ladies of the wake. They're they're just they're just powerful beings. Totally not gods. And, and luckily, even 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 the word god doesn't quite apply to everything quite evenly. Like. It sounds like in the Japanese mythology, basically everything kami is sort of like God, spirit, thing all roll into one. So there's all kinds of different levels of what a god can be. So don't worry about that too much. And so you're going with, and so in this sort of interpretation of the Lady of Lake, we're not saying it's just one singular one. We're saying it's almost like a uh, court of them, would you say? Yeah, there's a there's a few of them. I picked uh, Nimue um, because that was the most popular one that Thomas Mallory wrote a lot about. But um, there's quite a few of them. There's the one that was killed by Balin. Uh, there was uh, a couple other ones in Arthurian lore, but um, I just picked Nimue because uh, she was the one with the coolest sounding name. And so, luckily for luckily for us, our intentions and for you, the listener. You don't have to be an expert on Arthurian mythos, even the oldest medieval text, to just say, yeah, this in this version, we're going with this one, because all myths are true in Scion, even if they don't make any sense when they are all the same, true at the same time. So we're going with Nimue. So let's begin. First of all, look at your character sheet, and you have to pick... Uh, you get four more dots for a total of five into your callings, which you can have three of them. One of them has to match the Lady of the Lakes. And so well, since this is uh, your own creation, why don't you say what the Lady of the Lakes callings would be for this? Uh, well, I got the Guardian one um, as the first calling, and that's pretty much the one that I've been picking with, uh, sticking with uh, for Nick the entire time. Um, let's... Uh, let... yeah, so I have... You have 
you have three callings and you have to have at least one dot in each of them. Okay. Um, let's see. Where, what are our choices for these? So, yes, like I said, as long as so you're saying Guardian would be one of the Lady of the Lakes, what would you say her other ones are, just for the listeners? So I would say, like, Guardian would be number one because she guards the sword of Excalibur and all, other stuff. I would say also maybe creator because in some myths she is the one who makes a Excalibur or something like that. It's it was fairy forged. Yeah, let's uh, let's go with that. Um, I mean, in the Arthurian lore, there's always a bunch of like magic swords and magic uh, sheaths just popping out all the time. So they got to come from somewhere. All right. So that's for the Lady of the Lake, and so I would say also maybe something like Judge could be one of them because you know the Ladies of the Lake have to be able to judge who can wield said swords and that's, magical that, items that's also a very good one let's go with it um because like a lot of times in the lore they you know they were they're never meant to uh um use these items themselves they always had to create the items um guard the areas and judge those worthy to uh use them so we so far we got uh, one in each of these callings uh so all right so now that's that's for the lady of the lake now nick he can have one of them can match the Lady Lakes. The other two can be whatever you want for Nick. So he could take Sage, Lover, Hunter, Warrior, whatever you want. All right. Um, so we have Guardian. We're keeping that. Um, another we'll take his Lover. One of his short-term goals I have is get a girlfriend. <laughs> All it's, right. it's been an ongoing thing in some of these. Uh, so we, we, we got that. <laughs> Well, that's inter- that's interesting because I believe uh, Gary uh, Mitch's character he also picked a lover as one of his callings. Of course, Gary would. <laughs> All right, so that's two so far: guardian and lover. And what do you want for the third one? Let's see, where's the list of the? What's some other ones? Uh, the there's creator, judge, uh, liminal leader. Let's hunter. go. With, uh, let's go with leader for our final one. All right, now. Since you put four more, you can you can arrange the dots however you want. As long as there's one in each of them, you can have two, two, one, or three, one, one. So we have uh, five total. So we're going to go three, one, one. Okay, so you're putting three in guardian or guardian. leader. Oh yeah, uh, three in guardian, uh, one in lover, and one in leader. All right. So now we get pick the knacks for it. Now you get to pick four more knacks, or if you want, you can pick you can exchange two. Knack points, quote unquote, for one immortal knack, which I include li- the list of them, which is basically a much more powerful version of a of a knack. But you can only pick an immortal guardian knack because that's the only calling you have more than one dot in. All right, I'm gonna be looking at a list for a little bit. So, <laughs> all right, and I'll le- read off the uh, guardian immortal guardian list, and all the rest you they can be like from a lover or a leader. That they should be the same ones as you have in your book. All right, here are the Immortal Guardian knacks. <clears throat> There's by your side. Spend a point of momentum to move to be next to someone you are protecting in an instant, regardless of the distance between you. You receive an innate warning whenever this knack would come into play. If you are protecting your charge, you do not need to pay the cost. There's Eternal Guardian. When you protect a person, place, or thing that can be measured with scale, Standing guard the entrance of your pantheon's afterlife. Keeping a watchful eye on a city all night. Imbue a point of legend rather than spending to invoke your legendary title as a feat of scale. There's Living Pillar. 
When you protect someone else with your body, you are immune to environmental hazards. The flames of a burning building do not scorch you. A landslide does not crush you. Water cannot drown you, and so on. That sounds like a very good one, actually. As long as you keep your charge close, within arm's reach, they benefit from the same immunity, but still need to eat, sleep, etc. So it is best to leave a hazardous area as quickly as possible. And finally, they cannot be touched. Spend a point of momentum and designate one person to be immune to all sources of damage until the end of the session. This only applies if the character is someone you have a bond with or is of a lower tier. If a target does not need to be protected, such as your best friend, the warrior calling Scion, this knack does not apply. What was the pillar one called again? Living pillar. That is the one where if you protect someone with your body, you are immune to environmental hazards. Sounds like something you would be interested in? Yes, we're going to go with that one. If there's like, say, a desert or a lake or something, that might be quite useful to help others survive. All right. So now you can pick another You can pick another next and get one more. And you can have in, in leader or lover and lover, actually, and lover. All right. Let me just look at their list real quick. All right. While you look, I will just read off a couple of them for the listeners. For leader, there's captain of industry. When you take charge of a group, Roll your next skill. With two successes, you need only spend two momentum to add an interval to a complex action. With five successes, you need only spend one. Cloak of Dread. You project an aura of menace that terrifies and intimidates anyone who would dare cross you. Spend momentum and double your successes on any knack skill rolls to intimidate targets. Enemies of a lesser tier and extras simply will not attack you. Good listener. When you make casual conversation with a story guide character, that character will reveal information or important detail that the leader is looking for, if they know it. Before using this ability, tell the story guide what you're thinking. If the story guide character doesn't know it, you immediately become aware that the character isn't relevant to your quest. Even the most recalcitrant of characters eventually opens up and reveals a clue. This power requires no role. Grand Entrance when you make a first impression, roll your knack skill. On a success, the target remembers you favorably, granting you a plus one enhancement to all social roles made towards them until the end of the session. Inspirational Aura. When you take charge of a group, roll your knack skill. For every two successes rolled, reduce the difficulty of all actions taken by the group you command by one. You can inspire a number of people equal to your leadership plus leader calling, or can spend a point of momentum to apply this to a much larger group, multiplying that number by 10 for each momentum spent. The decrease in difficulty does not apply to you, though while you are inspiring others, you gain a plus two enhancement to apply to social roles involving leadership and any stunts you may have gained from next. Lighthouse of Society. In a tense or heated or chaotic situation, you stand as a beacon of certain leadership. Your presence is a bulwark against fear and panic. As long as a crowd has not been frightened directly by magical means, you can get a group of people to act calm and do as you ask, such as evacuating a dangerous area in an orderly fashion without needing to roll. A supernatural situation requires a clash of wills. For example, if an enemy scion of Eris sows panic into a crowd of mortals so they'll boat 
and trample each other, a roll will be made against her. If Poseidon creates a tidal wave that happens to scare people because natural disasters are terrifying, a roll will not be made against him. Perfect poise. You cannot be shaken by panic or fear unless it is from another supernatural source, in which case you gain two enha- plus two enhancements to resist it, such as making Clash of Will rolls. That applies before you roll. You will also gain plus one enhancement to all social rolls involving grace, poise, or composure, and to keep a poker face. This also applies before you roll. So I see uh, Nicholas eventually becoming a brave knight. So perfect poise seems um, pretty good. So we don't get frightened off. All right. Now we go over to the lover, Nax. I I think I picked one out for this one already. I'm going to go with uh, the lover's intuition. All right. So lover's intuition. When touching another character, which may be as brief as a handshake, you gain an understanding of your target's romantic life. Ask any one question for the following list for free. You may roll your knack skill and spend one success per additional question, such as who or what does this character love? Who is the character romantically involved with? Who is the character close to? Who would the character like to be romantically involved with? This may be used on your bandmates with consent from the player. Yep, we're going to go with that one. All right. And so, like I said before, you can have a total of five knacks active. You can have more than five knacks, but only five can be active at one time. And if you have more than five, you can, during a uh, rest between arcs, you can, re- you can rearrange them to have different ones active at a time. All right. So I have, uh, for Guardian, I got a talisman, a fortress, a warning, and then I took taken the legendary uh, one, Living Pillar. And for lover, I'm taking uh, perfect poise. Or sorry, for leader, I'm taking perfect poise and lover's intuition for the lover. That concludes the callings as part of it. Now we move on to birthrights. So you have seven points to put to distribute between your birthrights. They can be creatures, followers, uh, a guide, or a relic. Now, since you seem to be making Nick to be a knight, I'm going to guess you want a sword. Yeah, um, the ladies of the lake just keep handing him out. I mean, we talked, and it's obviously not going to be like Excalibur quality, but let's see what we can get close to. Yeah, I'm sorry. If you had said you would like to relate it to Arthur himself, I would have said, yeah, but I'm sorry. You don't get it quite that good. All right. So back in the day, whenever people had swords, sometimes they had famous names like Excalibur or whatnot, but most of the time people called them like Nicholas's sword. So. Let's make Nicholas's sword. All right. So you can have uh, you can have from one dot to five dots, and obviously the five dots get you a better sword. And you can also you can take flaws that will reduce the cost of your sword. So say if you have you could put four dots into it, and you could make a five and make it worth five dots if you say like the sword has a flaw where you know it literally like blinds people if you draw it or something, including you. Hmm. So, um, what would um, how many points for flaw would be temporary guardian? Like at some point, Nick's gonna have to give this up. Ooh, I do. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Well, like I said, we'll have to talk. We'll talk about that. So, first of all, let's see. What do you want it to be able to do? Do we want it just to be a good sword? Do you want it to like 
I don't know, shoot laser beams from him when you swing it? Like, what exactly do you want the sword to do? Hmm. So, um, I like the, it's a good sword thing, and I think it's kind of tacky to just start shooting laser beams out of it. Um, maybe swords that can just bypass armor. That seems uh, pretty reasonable. All right. So definitely, it's, it's def- I would say it would have, a, it would have a, give you an enhancement against any foe that has armor, or just negate their armor. I see. So yeah, I'd say that yeah, I would say that would definitely be at least a two to say like it negates the. Uh, I would say like it could negate one point of armor if you wanted to have say like it negates two points of armor, then it would have to be a be- you know, better relic. So I would say like. So actually, let's just say, how many dots are you looking to put into it? The full five or four? How many do you want? Um, let's go with uh, the full five, because uh, sword's a pretty important thing. All right, so we're saying the full five. All right, now with that, you can have many different things. So I'll definitely say for now, say, let's say it will negate two points of armor. Okay. That is, it's currently, that would say that puts it about a, th- a three-ish, just because it's very good at one thing, but not good at everything. Now we can also give you access to more things. It could be a, uh, it could give you access to a purview, say for fire, water, frost. So meaning it could, get, meaning it could let you use the magic with it almost. Is there something that um, could cause a fear effect? Because one of the things, yes, I- actually, yes, there, I believe there would be like the passion purview, which I believe I included as for some of your help. You can specifically say yeah, it causes the emotion of fear. So we could say like. You know, if you use it, you can cause fear in another another uh, character. Yeah, because that seemed like a very Excalibur thing. Some of the old legends have uh, Uther Pendragon, Arthur's father, um, using Excalibur to sub- subdue some of his own retainers so they wouldn't rally against him. All right. Now, do you want to say that it, it can uh, will give you access to a knack, for example? It could say like something that fits could so maybe like something from the hunter or warrior maybe give you a bonus against more enemies or one big enemy or something let me just check out the warrior next um the enhanced impact one sounds pretty good whenever you successfully deal injury with your next skill um which is granted by the weapon um you knock the target back one range band all right that sounds good so i would definitely say that that would give you the full five just I would say like it give you like a just generic plus one enhancement because it's a good sword, but also like it would negate two points of armor. It gives you access to the passion, specifically passion fear purview, and it gives you the knack of impact. What was it? Heavy impact? Uh, inv- av- enhanced impact, page 112, warrior list. Ah, got it. So yes, that, that, that definitely sounds like a five star. So you wanted to say you wanted to have a, oh, before that, what, what would you say the motif of this sword would be? Meaning that, so since it gives you access to a purview, it would say like, you know, what exactly, how, like what a phrase that would describe the sword itself? Like, you know, the, the chivalry of night will blind you know, cowardly enemies or something like that. Because with Slavic's character, Jesse, what we did was the uh, harsh and merciless chill of winter for his bow, which would literally fire, you know, the power of the winter against his enemies. So this is sort of like a catchphrase in order to activate the the weapon. It can be, but also it's just a way to help uh, sort of say, like, you know, what kind of match? So it would be, say, like, uh, 
for Jesse's weapon, it would allow he gave him access to the frost purview, and I would say it wouldn't let him you know, make a gentle snowfall. I would say like let him have you know harsh you know ear frostbite inducing wind you know through through like a, in a, in a, in a, in a inside a building or something. So since we're uh, using a fear effect passion and it's um, an Arthurian sword, uh, how about tremble before the power of God? <laughs> yeah, I'll say that. Yeah, because in the world of Scion itself, like monotheism did take off. It's just sort of <clears throat> you know don't go don't, don't worry about it too much thing. Everything's true. Exactly. Just don't think about it too hard, or else people get offended. And uh, this one doesn't specify which god, so we're good. Exactly. So yeah, and you want you wanted to say that it's a temporary thing. You would have to give it up eventually. I definitely say that's a flaw, but since we can definitely, it's something that it's going to happen eventually. I don't know, like how that'd be a too strong a flaw, because. We could just, um, like, uh, you know, let let's see what uh, where the story leads it, and uh, find an appropriate place, and then, you know, assign yes. a flaw point based then. Yeah, just cut. Yeah, so I'll say a one for now, just because that it, it's a thing that's going to happen, and like I said, eventually we'll be able to move, be able to you know worry about it later and when you do give it up you will be allowed to exchange however many points you put into the sword for another another birthright of the same uh, point cost alright that sounds uh, good so that's five points sword minus one is four so that's three points we have left yes so um, we did we talked earlier about uh, how he's a knight and knights have land Yes, so, so you, I would say that to, to since the rule since the rule book doesn't say you know you can give players bases and stuff, I would say that you would put points as a followers' birthright, and one because one of the uh, one of the things you get from followers is that you can they can grant you access to places. So, for example, uh, uh, Mitch's character Gary, he decided that his team of nine berserker bodyguards will allow, allow him access to Asgard. In this case, I would say, you know, if you want, you could say that you have, you know, a group of Castellans or caretakers, whatever, that, you know, w- watched over this bit of land or this castle. And then once you are given your, you know, recognized by the Lady of the Lake, they are granted this, you know, bit of land as your castle to go- watch over. And we'll represent them with retainers who are the followers. All right. So that definitely sounds like it would be an entourage or a social thing because it's giving you land, not giving you, you know, weapons or whatever. So I would say, yeah, that, that's, so far that's one dot in followers, which is literally just the Oiga. Some, I would say that's just one person who's like, you know, the, the legal owner is like, you know, giving you the la- access to the land and sort of like, I would transfer it over to you, but that's one dot so far in followers. Could we uh, pump more dots into it and just have like you know the caretakers as well, and maybe some of them even be uh, really minor men at men at arms? Yes, we could do that. So so we have one dot in followers. So so you could put two more into it. So right now that gives you you put one dot into access. You could add one more dot for an archetype, which would give you uh, give it a heavy archetype, which would say like you know you could say that you have. You know, a couple of men at arms, and I would say that would put 
if you put all three dots, I would say you have, first of all, access to your own castle. It gives you the archetype of the heavy and entourage and a group of people. So five to ten men-at-arms. All right, yeah, let's do that. So let's... So reading this out, it would say like you had with this with three dots and followers, you have a like you know, a small group five to ten of people of people who maintain your castle, and also if need be, you can bring them with you for fights. Oh, we gotta use um, make use of that leader calling. So, all right. So yeah, that should be everything set up for your birthrights. Correct. Yes. You have the sword. Oh wait, what's the name of the sword? Uh, Nicholas Sword. All right, so you're not going to have an official name for it. Um, oh, gosh. You, uh, you don't have to think of one just yet. We can, we can have that one be played out in the game if you want. We'll, we'll, we'll play it out. Um, I might think of something uh, later. All right. So finally, we go on to purviews, where you have set, And since this is a bit of a homebrew thing, we're going to be doing things a bit differently because you get two purviews. On top, in addition to the one that your sword grants you, you get the Pantheon purview, which would just be anything we would say make it up for the Arthurian Pantheon as a whole. You know, if you were a knight, just from Arthur, one of the knights, Morgan Le Fay, or the Ladies of the Lake. And then you get a specific purview that has to match one that the Lady of the Lake would have. Hmm. So let's let's say for the Pantheon, uh, like purview of chivalry. And for Lady of the Lake, hmm. So, uh, so, we'll, so, and since you get the chivalry one, just because you are part of that pantheon, it will, it does give you an innate power, which means that, like for the Acer, they they know one event that will happen in the future, like one negative thing. It could be crippling when the future it could be the death of a death of a friend, your own death, something like that for the Acer. And so for you, since you're being a chivalry, I would almost say, like, for your innate power, just make a note of this, I would say, like, you could challenge someone to either, like, meet you one-on-one for, it could, could be anything, it could be a, a talk, could be a fight, but it ha- it's like a one-on-one meeting, I would say. That seems very knightly. Would you agree? I, I like that one, because uh, we're uh, basically calling them out. Um, we're using my, a lot of um, the motifs for my callings. It It works. All right, so that is the innate power. That is not a specific boon. And and in the future, if you want to, say, make a little bit of a uh, magic with the chivalry part, you could say, yeah, I summon a, just a cheaper, you know, mon- more mundane sword to my, hat, to my side just because that's the magic of the Lady of the Lake. Oh. And now we get on to the specific purviews. So what would the Lady of the Lake's purviews be? Hmm. What, uh, what are some examples? So I would say stuff like, uh, you know, water would be one, obviously. Yeah, let's go with water because, uh, you know, water is quite uh, abundant and maybe like pulling uh, random blades out of random puddles might be useful. (laughs) Uh, There's also, so yeah, we're going to pick four for the Lady of the Lake, then you pick one out of the list. So for the Lady of the Lake, there's, I would say like water, uh, the forge maybe because, you know, she does they potentially involved in making the swords. Yep, we talked about the creator um, calling earlier. I would say order would be another one because again, it's you know the lady like oh, they seem to be almost on the side of you know the people who are trying to bring law to the land. Mm-hmm. And for the final one, perhaps war. Well, they are guardians. Mm, yeah. So yeah, I would. S- 
Yeah, I'm not really seeing anything else that would fit too. Or perhaps wild. What do you think? Let's go, let's go with uh, war for now. All right. All right. So uh, for Pantheon, I'll, I I have the chivalry call out, and for I'm going to take water as the purview. All right. So now you can pick two boons from the water purview. Or you can pick them from the water or the passion purview, which was granted to you by the uh, sword. For the water uh, purview, here are the boons. All right, so since you picked the innate power, since you picked water for the purview, here's the innate power. You can breathe water like air and swim with flawless grace, ignoring any complication for moving or acting underwater. You are also immune to harm from pressure or temperature of water. I kind of already had that from the living pillar. Yeah, you get the living pillar would mean like when you're protecting someone, specifically protecting someone, mm-hmm. you get it and they get it. With this one, even if you're not protecting someone, you just can you just breathe underwater, no no problem. So what's this one called? Just it's just the innate power for water. You get it just by simply having it as your purview. That works for me. Right now here are the actual specific boons, like specific powers that they grant you. There's changing tides. Cost, imbue one legend or spend one legend. Duration, one scene or instant. Subject, body of water, range, long, action, simple. You exert your will over water, controlling the tides or currents that move through it. You can calm all water out to long range, making it still and placid even in the face of a hurricane, or change the direction that currents flow in, letting you reverse the direction of a river or cause a riptide to drag lost swimmers back to shore. Reclaiming legend imbued in this boon causes the water to revert to its natural behavior. Alternatively, if you spend a spend legend instead of imbuing it, you can call up a great wave to crash down on your foes. You, you roll this attack with the highest power attribute, plus a cult. It has the bashing, long-range, pushing, and shockwave tags. Now, reborn in depths, in the depths. Cost, imbue one legend, duration, one scene, subject, self, Action reflexive. You can heal by submerging yourself in a body of water, resolving an injury condition at the end of a scene spent immersed in water. You can only benefit benefit from this healing once per session. In addition, you extend your senses through the water. As a simple action, you can displace your perspective to any point out to long range within the same body of water, seeing through that point as if as though you were physically there. Sink hopes. You cost imbue one legend, duration, condition, subject, one character, range, short, action, simple. You overwhelm a character with the sensation of endless drowning as a condition. Even though they know they can breathe, they either panic or despair as they feel suffocated by an endless crushing darkness. All roles they make with social or mental attributes are a plus two difficulty. If they are submerged in water or at risk of becoming so, this also applies to physical attribute roles. This condition resolves when the target suffers near drowning or a comparable mortal peril due to water, or when you reclaim the legend imbued in this boon. All right, I think we're going to go with uh, Reborn in the Deaths. Um, Something bad happens, take a bath. (laughs) All right. So that's def- that's one, and you could pick another in water, or I believe you should be able to pick one in passion because of your sword. All right. Um, is there a passion love one? 
Uh, no, I would say specifically it's passion fear, but I'll, I'll read it out. So for passion, the innate power, you see into the hearts of others, gaining enhancement plus three on assess attitude roles. If you observe someone who has a bond towards another character present in the scene, you intuit the bond's existence. So we can know that, please. Now here are the specific boons for the passion thing. Alert it out. Cost, imbue one legend. Duration, one scene. Subject, one character. Clash, presence plus legend versus composure plus legend. Range, short, action, simple. You overwhelm a character with a sudden burst of emotion. They exclaim without realizing it, unwittingly vocalizing whatever they are thinking. Everyone who hears it gains enhancement plus three on assessed attitude actions or other social roles to understand the utterance context utterance's context for the duration of the boon. So you could you could literally like, instill someone with so much fear they just like blur out whatever you want them to say. Or actually, whatever they say. That actually sounds like a pretty good one, blurt it out. Let's go with that one for the last one. Let, let me just read out the other ones just oh, so yep. there are two more. The irresistible impulse. Cost, imbue one legend. Duration, condition, subject, one character. Range, medium, action, simple. You fill a character's heart with emotion of your choice. They gain a condition based on that emotion. Mad as hell, love strike to side to function, or something similar. The exact effect of the condition may vary based on the chosen emotion, but as a generic effect, the target takes a plus three difficulty when they take an action that the storyteller deems as is directly contrary to the emotion meaning it's hard to treat someone politely while mad as hell, or commit to a fist fight while love struck. Other characters gain an enhancement plus three on rolls to detect the inflamed emotion. This condition can be resolved by taking a significant action with the potential for consequences that is motivated by the emotion. Starting a bar fight, asking someone out, or skipping work would do. It also ends if you reclaim the legend imbued in this boon. So what that means is that you can make someone so scared they would run away, and then you get the legend back. Tugging at the heartstrings, the final one. Cost, imbue one legend. Duration, one scene. Subject, one character. Range, long. Action, reflexive. Once you have identified a character's attitude towards you or someone else, you can either intensify or stifle the emotions from which it is derived, raising or lowering its value by one point. This doesn't stack with other magical attitude modifiers, but can cancel out an imposing bonus or penalty. So yeah, I would say either blurted out or irresistible impulse would be fit would be ones you could take. Yeah, I think uh, we're gonna go with blurted out because that that seems like fun. All right. So you have the purviews of the chivalry purview, the water and passions fear, passions bracket fear. Just make a note of that. Yep. All right. Now, what else is there? Oh, yeah. So, regarding to the legend part, make a note on your sheet you have one dot of legend. And you can increase this legend if you perform a short-term deed, a long-term deed, and a band deed. Once you've completed all three, then in a, in a set, you get, uh, you get one more dot in legend. So, what that means is even if you do, like, five short-term deeds, if you haven't done a band deed, you don't get it. Okay, so do I need to make... Um, we don't my... have to worry about that just yet. Okay. The short-term deeds are something that you could you do in a session. Long-term deeds would be something you would do over like the course of an arc. Band-term deeds would be the thing for an arc. So say, like, you know, short-term deed, get a girlfriend. Long-term deed, 
uh, you know, find a piece of Excalibur. Uh, Bandied would be, you know, to uh, you know, drive back the frost giants from the city. And you can, and when you you can either imbue or spend a point of legend to do things. If you imbue it, it's a bit like willpower from Bold Darkness. It's used up, and until and unless you either stop or whatever you used for it, you you do not have any more willpower. But you, it is not permanently gone. If you spend a point of legend, it is gone until you make either a sacrifice to the gods or you accept a fate binding. So a sacrifice could be like you know you offer up you kill a kill a goat you uh, you know you you uh, you know, human sacrifice it could be just it's something that you give up to get get back legend okay uh, fate binding is when you literally say you add another character to your story it could be someone who hates you or they you add them like they are your rival they will act on their dislike of you to hinder you or you could say you know someone falls in love with you. Someone becomes your apprentice. Someone just oh, just always seems to get there at the wrong moment when you just when you want them the least. Okay, so that's something we add throughout the course of play. Yes, and the strength of the uh, fate binding can increase or decrease as time goes on. Cool. I got I got a couple in mind for that if it comes up. All right. So yeah, that's something we'll, we can talk about more in depth with during actual play. So that's something you just need to know. That's something. All right, that should be every. Oh, oh yeah, we forgot to just think. Just talk about some of the the weapon tags for your sword. Just as a l- last little thing, we always look over. Let me look at the rules. Ah, here they are. A weapon can have a three tags, so we would definitely say. It, we would definitely say. Would it say it's piercing for the sword? Just as part of the thing. That was actually that would be the tag. Yeah, that's two points. So. All right. Yeah. Would you would you want to say that the sword will come back to you if it's thrown? Um, I, I don't think it's like a Thor's hammer thing. Um, but uh, maybe. Hmm. So can I give it the water tag? Um, in order no, to no no uh, no no. That's how it works. All right. Let me let me look at the, some of these tags real quick. Yeah, they should be in the origins book for, on page one twenty two. Well, actually, I think. If you, because it says here that there can be different damage types for the weapon. You, I would say, if you picked aggravating as one of the tags, it would say that yeah, the somehow it, the water is part of the damage the sword ca- causes. Okay. Um. Let's see. Let's so, see. Uh, uh. There's like yeah, lethal, melee, and aggravating. I would say yes. That sounds r- about right. Would you say the sword is two-handed or no? All swords are one-handed swords. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, yeah, it's a one-handed no, you, sword. Yeah, you just just if you use two-handed, it's just easier to control. But so yeah, oh. it's not it's not a need, not do no need two hands. No, I, right. I'm very much a fiorist. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I believe that should wrap up all of the mechanical things we have to worry about. So uh, please cool. make a note of you, you did write down all the uh, stuff we said for the Lady of the Lake, the callings, the purviews. Uh, I have, oh, hold on, let me, get my, let me get my thing. All right, just so we have a record for it. I believe we said the Lady of the Lake would have 
you know, guardian, creator, and judge, I believe. I get pet out because it's hard to actually type on these sheets. All right, just I'm just doing this so we have, you know, a thing to for future references. For me especially. Because <laughs> I need to keep all this stuff in mind. Creator, guardian, creator, judge. And so what did we say for the purviews? We said water, forge. And war. War. I think there was one more we said. Uh, I will and let's just say uh, I'll add in uh, wild because definitely like there's there's more there's more fa- the fey aspect of Lady Lux. Yeah, that that sounds right. All right, so just this, this is what we get for not writing as we go. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's this is what you get for making up a character, not just going picking one from the book. I gotta be special. Ah, don't worry about it. Everyone's this is it's, it's a game about demigods. You're special just by being a demigod. We're science. We're all special. So now we finally get into the role playing part of it. So before we start, so you were saying Nimue was like, was was Nick's mother, and I'll, I'll I'll let you say this. Was was there any kind of relationship they had before this? Like, did was Nick just an orphan? Did he know he had a mother? Didn't really meet her that much. What was the relationship like? Well, my original thought when we first started this as a one-shot was uh, uh, Nicholas lived with some adopted parents in the United States, um, and he knew that he was adopted but didn't know who his real parents were or parent. No problem. That I imagine that's that's quite a common story among the, uh, the world. Yeah, I think as we were playing out, um, like, he just figured out – um, that he was possibly a scion when, like, that so he suspected that he was that well, he did have some kind of supernatural heritage, but didn't know what exactly. Yeah, it's sort of like that. That coming together when we had our first um, investigation was like the triggering moment for him. All right, so he definitely suspects, but he doesn't know for certain which one. Correct. All right, so I'll say yeah. So the scene will start off. You know, Nick. It's been a few. It's it's uh, say. Mid, mid to late September and you know you've had some bit on the adventures with the others but it's been a quiet last couple of weeks and so you find yourself sort of being drawn to Tempe it's near the down it's like near the center of the valley metro area it's right by especially right by the Tempe Town Lake it's right by the university so there's a lot of people around so what's Nick going through Nick's mind is he's just sort of like drawn to this lake um, well Nick, um, for no good reason, thought um, it'd be nice to go to a walk. So um, it's it's a nice day out, and uh, he's a bit confused why he actually is here because, like, he knows he knew of this place, but um, until just like this minute, um, decided never to visit before. All right, yeah. So yeah, he's walking around like you know he's it's a man-made lake, basically made by the, from the uh, irrigation used. And the various canals in the city to provide water for the whole whole area, and so he he's walking around. You know, there's a lot of college kids around. You know, doing thing. You know, sitting sitting on the uh, shoreline, on the concrete shoreline, looking through papers, doing stuff on their laptops and stuff. You keep on walking, and you just sort of you see like across the way. There's almost like see some like an arm or something. There's something shining beneath like an overpass that go, goes across the. Like the opposite side of the lake, it's like even though it's in the shadow of the overpass, you can see like there's something shining in it. 
Uh, Nick's going to squint and try to get a better look at it because, like, that's usually things don't, like, just stick out of the water. Correct. For no reason. And so you, you, you sort of, like, you circle around the uh, outside of it, trying to get, like, a better angle on it. And eventually you sort of, like, you walk away from, like, the main, you know, populated part of it and you go around the edge. And you find that even though, again, like, even though, like, you could see people and you see them walking around they're further away than they should be. Like there's almost like some kind of like fog between you two. Like you can definitely still make out, see people, but they seem so much further away. As you get, get further and further, like you hear like this, uh, almost like this sound is someone like swimming. Uh, Nick will look around and like take off his shoes and kind of like dip his feet into the water. Just like step in like, like a couple feet. Yeah, as you step in, you definitely feel almost feels like the water like embraces you and pr- brings you further in. And as you walk further and further down, you see like you know the water as from the outside looks you know a little bit greenish, not you know, mostly clear, but not you know super easily visible. You once you like once your head dips below the water, it becomes you can see it just as clear as daylight. And you see someone sort of like not quite swimming, but but also not quite walking towards you. She sort of seems to like hover through the water coming towards you. You see, like, long brown hair, a, a blue, like, a pale white with, like, intricate designs dress on her as it sort of, like, just flutters in, under the water. Uh, Nick uh, kind of blurts out, oh, this is weird, but it comes out as bubbles. And actually, as he says that, yeah, it's you breathe in, like, even though against your instincts, you find you can breathe fine. This is really weird as he's try- still trying to talk, but... Uh... Yeah, his lungs are probably filling up with water, and he's not like the panic probably quickly leaves him. And so the woman just sort of like reaches out a hand towards you. Uh, Nick, uh, not knowing what else to do, takes this woman's hand. And so she takes you and she leads you further down into the water. And after a moment, it seems like you know the water gets it gets darker and darker. Like it seems like you're going down further than you think the lake should be. And then like you start rising again. And eventually you, you get, like, you rise up into the water and the water, like, around you, it loses its green tint and becomes, like, almost crystal clear. Like, you, if you weren't, if you didn't occasionally, like, you know, like, if you didn't look up and see, like, the sun, like, dancing across the waves, you would swear that you were just on dry land. And so it's the woman leads you further and further. And eventually you find almost, it's like this underwater, almost, version of a, a court. You see, like, pillars of, like, kelp, you know, going around people, like, dressed in dresses and other fine clothes going swimming through the water. And you see, often you hear, like, sounds like forges being, with hammers striking metal. And eventually, the woman turns back to you and she says, Welcome, Nicholas, to the realm of the ladies of the lake. What? Why am I here? Because I brought you here, my son. And that's what she sort of, like, embraces you. Uh, Nick returns the hug, but it's probably kind of awkward for him because uh, he was probably thinking she was kind of cute. But yeah, as you get a better look at her in like the clear light, she, def- she you can't quite tell. Like you see some of your own features in her face, but you know there's also this more this not something not quite human about it. There's something ethereal to it. You can't like, quite put your finger on it. Like uh, he can't tell if she's sixteen or sixty. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Am I like making noise as I try to respond back, even though I'm underwater? Yes. 
wow, this is just so weird. And Nick like is looking around, like trying to like fl- flutter his arms around and like kind of get the feel of it. Do not worry, my son. You are in no danger here. I. It's good that we can finally meet face to face. Um. So, did you like not want me? No, no. It's just that, and she looks sort of. She looks sad for a moment, and then she says, We had to make ourselves less conspicuous. I don't know if you... I suspect you don't really pay much attention to the uh, events in the Emerald Isles, but the Tuatha de, de Danan, the you know as the Celtic Pantheon, they have grown in power over the last few years, last few decades, and they feel that... We especially are a threat to their supremacy, superiority in the area. They do not feel like they should share with the Welsh. It's petty tribalism, as it always has been. Are you a threat? I mean, to them? I mean, I am simply here to. I'm here to forge, give, and protect weaponry. Who uses that weaponry might might not always be be uh, might not al- their interests might not always align with the Tuatha de Danann, and that that and uh, that alone is enough reason for them to dislike us. And then there are some who even claim that we stole relics from them. You see, see her face looks disdain, as if we would steal petty things, their I mean, trinkets, and try to claim it as our own. It doesn't seem you need to, and Nick uh, like. Uh- points out all the forges at work. Yeah, she, she smiles at that. We were had more once. Long, long ago, we were more than this. But that is something that, that is not something you don't need to worry about. Nick uh, swallows hard and nods. I am, I am not here to lay my troubles upon you, Nick. I am here to give you gifts. Oh, okay. Um... I didn't think I was worthy of something like that. Believe me, my believe me, I can tell. And as and then she like sort of swims away to like a one of the fortresses. She, she returns with like this sword, and I'll let you describe it. What the sword looks like. So, um, I'm thinking it's like one of those, uh, just like post um, post uh, Roman era uh, Britannica swords. Um, probably sixth century with uh, like like the hilt that curves in almost like as a heart shape and maybe like three and a half foot three and a half foot blade um, there's a bunch of uh, um, etchings along the uh, handle that uh, Nick is like trying to read it's in some language but it like as he looks at it his, his head hurts and it's kind of difficult for him to like figure out what they mean and she hands it to you. This blade has no name, but it is yours. Oh, uh, thanks, he says, and feeling awkward because he doesn't know how to really respond in this sort of situation. <laughs> it is yours to use and to, go- and to protect yourself as you and to drive your enemies away with fear. But it is not yours to keep forever. For although we... For us, swords are simply something we must temporarily wield before we pass them on. 
uh, Nick nods a bit and then kind of like turns the blade over in his hands and like whips it through the water a few times in a, on the side. And there is one more thing. And then she sort of like uh, gestures and it, so you see like this group of like m- group of figures like merge from like between like the kelp pillars. Um, Nick kind of takes like a defensive stance with the sword, um, not knowing what to think. Yeah, instead of, instead of attacking you with the figures, then they sort of like circle around you and then they like kneel before you. Impressive because you're underwater. <laughs> and the uh, and uh, I was how many of them are there? You, you said like you can have five to ten. How many do you want exactly? Um, let's go with uh, let's go with seven. That seems like a very appropriate number. All right. So yes. There are seven figures here kneeling before you, and you see that they have you know bits of like the thing nightly you know armor. Some looks like almost more modern tactical armor. They say they have various bits of weapons, blades. Some of them have weapon uh, modern firearms. Oh, um, really, uh, guys? You can get up. You don't have to do that. I'm not like a knight or anything. But you are, Nicholas. And then you see like. She takes the sword back from you, and she like, like you know, taps taps the blade on your shoulders. You are Sir Nicholas of the Lock. Um, N- Nicholas uh, raises his head, and uh, Sir Nicholas stands up and uh, smiles at his mother. These are your uh, these are your men at arms, and they will guide you, aid you in battle, and and uh, guard your your own keep. Wait, I get my own house. It is more than just a house, and she's and she pulls like a map, and with like a bit of like if it says a deed for it, documentation for it. It is this place here is on a hill in the valley. I was able to, to over the decades, manage to uh, accumulate enough resources to purchase it for myself. Uh, Nicholas is almost giddy because it means he finally doesn't live with, have to live with his step-parents' basement anymore. Ah, ah, uh, thanks, uh, Mom, your ladyship. Um, mother is fine. Yes, Mother. And he's kind of, like, confused with all the emotions going around inside of him. Like, yeah. Yeah, this is cool. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, I wish I could have seen your face in person all those years. But that is enough wishing about what things could have been. Now we must look to what we can make of it. And then one last thing before I let you return. And she guides you. She like, she waves away your men at arms. And she guides you towards like this more secluded spot. Away from the noise and the bustle of other people. I follow. And she leads you down. Oh, it's almost like this little cave area. You see, it's like built almost like a like almost like coral cave. As you go inside, you see laying on like a uh, like a like a pillar that's like a illuminated by the sunlight from above and a hole in the ceiling. You see a sword. You see it's it's broken though. It's there are pieces. It's still pieces of it are laid in the shape of it, but you can see there's some missing. Oh, um, are you fixing this one next then, or? Yes, this is Excalibur. The one no wielded, way. The very one wielded by Arthur himself. No way, that's, that's real? Yes, indeed it was. And it shall be again. Oh, is, is there anything I could do to help? Yes, and she points to like some of the gaps in the sword. 
it was broken many a long, long time ago. We were able to save most of the pieces, but some still elude our grasp. One of the things I would ask of you, Nick, Sir Nicholas, that you find these other pieces. Well, I'll definitely keep an eye out for it. Do we have any leads? Do not worry. We know where one will, one can be found, but it is simply a matter of drawing it to us. That will be the issue. Well, uh, I know a few other people, and I mean, they're trouble magnets, so I'm that sure is, that won't be a problem. That is most excellent. Now you have our gifts, and you know what you know. One of your tasks. Now go forth, my son. Um, Nick, Sir Nicholas tries to awkwardly kneel in water, and then he says, finds it's easier than he than, he, than it should be. Like even though like there's water all around him, he feels like when he goes to kneel, it feels like there is a solid bit of water underneath his feet almost. So I guess he's uh, confused how easy that was, and that. Rises again and says, um, "Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best, Mom. Let's, I'll do my best." That is all I can ask of you, my son. Now go. I believe you have a uh, a domain to oversee now. Yes, yes, I do. And Nick is just thinking about all the cool, like Rolling Stones posters he's going to put up in the in the halls of this castle. <laughs> All right, I believe we can end it there, unless you don't have anything else you want to talk about. Um, I'm pretty good. I'm I'm excited to get going on this guy and uh, see where the story takes us. All right, I'm going to stop the recording, and thank you, everyone, for listening, and I hope you have a great day. Hello again, folks. I'd like to tell you about the Facebook group we run called White Wolf and Onyx Path RPGs Gameplay and Media. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One that won't be drowned out by random posts and discussions so that your media could get the attention you deserve. The group is specifically run with the sole intent of being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. The group is already immense and continuing to rapidly grow, with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.